You know, the right hire can make a huge impact on your business. When I needed someone, you know where I went? LinkedIn Talent Solutions. It's so important to find the right person. Don't go to job boards. Don't leave finding someone great to chance. You can post your job to the place where people go every day to make connections. and Discover the next job opportunity with LinkedIn. You know, most LinkedIn members have not visited the job boards, but 9 out of 10 of them are open to new opportunities. And with 70% of the U.S. workforce on LinkedIn... That's the best place to get your job opportunity in front of the right people, people who are qualified, people who are ready for something new. It's the best way to find that person, and that's why a new hire is made every 10 seconds using LinkedIn. So hurry to linkedin.com slash BOS, Business of Sports. Get 50% off your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash BOS to get $50 off your first job post. LinkedIn.com slash BOS. Terms and conditions do apply. Contracts. Salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. Welcome, boys and girls, to another edition of the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. It's presented by BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, and the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet. Use promo code PODCAST1, all caps, to receive the 50% sign-up bonus today, betonline.ag. First thing I want to do is give you my rant of the week, the Brant's rant. I'm going to talk about Kirk Cousins and the NFL because he is a business of sports story, has been since he signed the biggest contract in the history of the NFL. It was $84 million, all guaranteed. First veteran contract, fully guaranteed. Three years, $84 million. That is the biggest guarantee in history that's not contingent. So many of these guarantees, you got to be on the roster, you got to do this. Kirk Cousins, fully guaranteed. And that was not the biggest offer. I talked to Mike McCartney, his agent, many times. There are others. The New York Jets were prepared to go higher. Arizona Cardinals right there. He chose Minnesota, best opportunity to win. It looked good early on, but the Vikings have suffered. And as I sit here today on Tuesday night, they fired John DiFilippo, their offensive coordinator. Kirk Cousins is not being fired. Well, if he is, he's got a lot of money left, like a baseball or basketball contract where they'd have to pay it off rather than these usual football contracts you can get out of. I guess the point I want to make in this rant is don't get caught up in how quote-unquote good Kirk Cousins is or isn't. Leverage is the key. The reason he's the highest paid player in football in terms of guarantee is simple. Leverage. He is basically lucky, lucky, I say this luckily, that the Washington Redskins did not think enough of him to in the past two years to put a contract offer in front of him that he would take. If they did, he'd be under contract for one of these typical guaranteed contracts with 40 to 50 million guaranteed and if he continues to play another 10 guaranteed then another 20 guaranteed maybe the next year he doesn't have one of those deals now he's got a fully rock solid three-year guarantee but if the Redskins put something that any right-minded agent would have taken which they never did he'd be on that contract instead he went year to year with them one year at 20 one year at 24 44 over two but the Redskins saw something that maybe the rest of the league saw and not going after Kirk Cousins. And what I mean by that is the Redskins wanted to date him. They didn't want to marry him. They didn't want to sock $60 million guaranteed in. They did sock 44 but he had to play for it. 
And the Redskins dated him. They wouldn't marry him. And I got the sense all along the Redskins liked him as their contract, but they felt he wasn't special. So now we've seen a couple bad games about Kirk Cousins, and the Twitterverse is, of course, going crazy. He's no good. The Jets fans, thank God we didn't get him, and we drafted Darnold. All these things go on in people's minds. But the fact is, Kirk Cousins is making what he's making because he got to free agency. He's one of those few people that was able to get to free agency, especially quarterbacks. The last quarterback of any value that made it to free agency was Peyton Manning. But Peyton Manning in 2012 got the huge deal from Denver, he was coming off three neck injuries. So it's not even a fair case. Any team that has a good quarterback is going to never let him get to the market. The Redskins let Cousins get to the market because they preferred Alex Smith through a trade. They didn't want to pay Cousins. They didn't want to sock long-term money into him. They didn't want to marry him. So my rant about Kirk Cousins is don't get caught up in that he's the highest-paid player and he's not looking great. That doesn't matter. He's the highest-paid player because he had leverage, because he had bidding, because he was on the market as a young, productive quarterback, which never, ever, ever happens. How'd he get there? The Redskins didn't think of enough of him to sign him up. Two franchise tags on the market, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is not the level of some of these other quarterbacks, but he's well-paid and he'll have another bite at the apple in a couple years, and he'll get well paid again because he's going to go on the market again. And maybe he won't be the best quarterback, but he'll be the best market on, best quarterback on the market. That's what gives him the leverage that we have. So, a rant about Kirk Cousins. Is he special? Probably not. Is he the highest paid player for good reason? Absolutely. Now a word from Omax Boost. Coffee and energy drinks? No, they're not the answer. You need my recommended solution to get all around crystal clear thinking. Four of people, four to five people say staying sharp is their number one priority as they start to get older. So Omax Boost is the way to go. You want to feel focused, get sharper, faster thinking. Cognitive boost is the boost you need to get there. So before I forget, Omax is offering my listeners 60% off a one-month supply of cognitive boost, plus free shipping, 60-day money-back guarantee. It has the two powerhouse ingredients called Alpha and Omega. So go to omax.com slash Andrew to get 60% off a one-month supply plus free shipping, 60-day money-back guarantee. That's omaxboost.com slash Andrew, all caps. 60% off a one-month supply plus free shipping, 60-day money-back guarantee. omax.com slash Andrew. Terms and conditions do apply. Trust me when I say this stuff directly impacts physical and mental preparation, strength, agility, cognition, daily motivation, pretty much everything. You will instantly feel energized with absolutely no jitterness or crash at omaxboost.com slash Andrew. This week's guest on the Business of Sports podcast, Jim Quinn, longtime antitrust lawyer in sports, has represented players unions such as the NBA PA and the NFLPA for many years. Now his client is the city of Oakland suing the NFL the Raiders, but also all NFL clubs for conspiring to keep Oakland from having the Raiders and for going against the relocation guidelines the NFL set. This suit filed this week in the Northern District of California. He'll tell us all about it. Without further ado, Jim Quinn, antitrust lawyer representing the city of Oakland against the NFL. Jim Quinn, longtime litigator in antitrust and sports issues. Really happy to have you on the podcast to talk about your latest foray into the sports antitrust world. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Andrew. Good to be here. 
I want to, if you wouldn't mind giving your listeners, our listeners, excuse me, some of your background in the sports world. Your name is obviously well known to aficionados of sports law like myself, but for a broader audience, some of the things you've been involved with in the sports world from the player's side and, if so, the management side. Uh, sure. Uh, you know, I, I hate to say this, but I guess my involvement in sports goes back uh, more than four decades, which is a little mm. scary. Um, I first got involved uh, back when I was a young lawyer uh, here in New York uh, representing the basketball players uh, against the NBA and what was then the first uh, free agency class action, a case called Oscar Robertson versus the NBA, and ultimately led to uh, free agency in basketball. Uh, and uh, moving on from that, um, I began representing uh, the hockey players and also the baseball players in various litigations against the owners. Uh, and uh, in the early 90s, I uh, began to represent the National Football League Players Association uh, against the NFL and tried a uh, a case in Minnesota that was fairly well known called McNeil versus the NFL, which mm-hmm. led to free agency in uh, in football. And then I've dabbled in other things along the way and continued to do some work for uh, different uh, sports unions, uh, even today, with some work for hockey and uh, and also baseball. You know, it's and interesting because I teach sports that, law. That's the kind of the and, highlights, right? In teaching sports law, it's always the question where the younger audience always wonders what owners and leagues were so scared of with free agency coming into sports. Maybe you're one of the best people to summarize. What has always been their defenses to allowing well, free they, agency they, into they, their sports? There were a couple, but you know, one, that they, they were always scared of uh, that uh, if there was free agency, all of the good players would go to New York and and – Los Angeles and other big markets, which was, of course, nonsense and never happened once there was free agency. So that was that was one of their concerns, and and they threw and and, and that part of that was something they called competitive balance. That right. in order to uh, in order to maintain so-called competitive balance, they had to have restrictions on player movement. It's all a bunch of nonsense, it, it, uh, which was proven by the fact that. We've had free agency now for decades, and there's more competitive balance today than there ever was uh, back in the day. What are you most proud of? Uh, is it that that Freeman McNeil suit that led to the Reggie White settlement that really is the basis for the CBA that's continued all the way through? Is yeah, I mean, the Oscar I guess Robertson was, case. Go it ahead. Certainly was a highlight, but. Um, that and, and probably also going all the way back to the Robertson case because that was the first case that ultimately led to um, a crack in the free agency market uh, and uh, and began the process that uh, was then followed in all the other sports. And I'm curious, again, we're going to get to the Raiders in a minute. The, sure. the three of the four major sports leagues, you know, there's been a trade-off, free agency, salary cap. You know, the right. owners get... Their artificial cost controls. And I, I, uh, I, uh, I'm embarrassed to say that I was involved in in the creation of two of those three. Um, <laughs> much to my regret, but uh, it's there, and that's the way the system is now. And one of the sports, the baseball union, was able to avoid that, and still is able to avoid that. Why do you think? I mean, is it as simple as people suggest? Stronger union, no cap, or are there other reasons? Uh, 
I mean, I think so much of it depended on the circumstances. And when we first had a, we had the first cap, obviously was in basketball in the early '80s, and and that cap got him put in place because the the NBA was close to failing at the time, right. and uh, and we we sat down myself and Larry Fleischer, the then head of the union, and with David Stern and his people, and ultimately we did that deal. Uh, whether it's necessary today is a whole other issue, but uh, that's how it came about. Football, it came about because it was a way to settle four or five years of litigation that ultimately led to the white settlement, which has benefited you know uh, players for the last two decades. Um, hockey was it was forced down the throat of the hockey players in 2005 um, by uh, Commissioner Bettman, the uh, all-time lockout king. And mm-hmm. um, in baseball, uh, they the owners made the, the, the great mistake, if you remember, in the '90s of, um, of of trying to to do a lockout, and they screwed up and couldn't get it done right. And ultimately, the players prevailed when uh, when they were, the owners were basically ordered by the by uh, the the judge to um, right. uh, open the camps. And uh, that gave the players a lot of leverage, and they've maintained that leverage. I mean, Marvin Miller and Don Feard did do uh, a great job of of, um, of marshalling their their players and hanging together, and uh, and it's worked out uh, well for them. It's interesting you bring up the players. The players themselves. You've had experience with a lot of these different groups of players. Any group of players or sport of players sort of stand out to you in their solidarity or lack thereof? Well, obviously the baseball players have done a good job over the years. Yeah. I mean, they've they've gone through endless numbers. Back in the 70s and 80s, they went through endless numbers of strikes, and they've lived through lockouts, and they've, they've held together pretty well. Uh, but I think uh, the, the years that uh, we went through in the late 80s and early 90s in football where we actually blew up the union, decertified the union, and the players hung together essentially as just a, uh, a tough group. Um, I think that was, that was uh, from my perspective, one of uh, the players' proudest hours. And they had great mm-hmm. leadership in, in Gene Upshaw, uh, who at that time was the uh, head of the union. Any thoughts on NFL PPA leadership since Gene? Well, you know, I uh, I was actually involved in the selection of, of D, and I think um, uh, he's done a good job. Uh, he's, he remains a friend. He's going to have another probably fight on his hands. Um, much of what happened last time around in 2011 um, was orchestrated in a in a very underhanded way by the owners. Um, and it led to the, ultimately the deal that was cut. Ironically, the deal turned out to be a lot better for the players than the owners ever thought. But uh, that's just how you know. Sorry, owners. That's how it worked out. <laughs> Care to elaborate on their underhanded manner and the way they got the deal they did in 2011? Yeah, sure. I, you know, I've written a yeah. book about it. I hope yeah. it's going to be published soon. Uh, yeah, the, basically it was because uh, they uh, conspired. Against uh, in violation of the collective bargaining agreement to uh, to have a secret salary cap in the year in which there was not supposed to be a salary cap, mm-hmm. um, and we had evidence of that after, way after the fact, and it was too late 
before we cut the deal. Um, but they then later essentially came out and admitted that they had violated the collective bargaining agreement. Um, indeed, during that process of time, and you may remember this too, Andrew, they they came up with this idea. Uh, they cut off secret deals with the networks to try to have television uh, revenue paid even during a lockout. And that one, mm-hmm. my uh, my colleague Jeff Kessler was able to get overthrown. Right. And you mentioned that, that, that just to keep our listeners abreast, that was 2010, the year before the new agreement right. by right. CBA rule was an uncapped year. That year. Was supposed to be what we called unca- the uncapped year, and they right. uh, basically had a secret agreement among themselves. Not to, you know, the teams were not to spend any more than 122 million dollars, um, which which had been the cap the prior year. It was pretty outrageous. And that was the year the Cowboys and Redskins did some things and eventually got sanctioned. Even and that's though, how it all came out, because yeah. they were so um, blatant about it. They were, it, would, it turned out they were like proud that they had violated the collective bargaining agreement. <laughs> right. Okay, so now we're talking about these NFL owners. You just sued them all. <laughs> but your primary target seems to be Mark Davis and the Oakland Raiders. So, your lead attorney uh, suit filed this week, City of Oakland against the NFL. Tell us about it. I'll give you a broad brush here. Sure. I mean, uh, I think the the complaint speaks for itself in the sense that we've laid out a story, which is a pretty sad story, of how uh, Davis and the Raiders in conjunction with and, and basically in conspiracy with the NFL and the other owners, um, they uh, you know essentially dangled that they were willing to stay in uh, in Oakland. Uh, they insisted on uh, the city and, and county building a new stadium. Uh, this is a you know a county and, and city that are not the uh, richest in America to say the least. Um, and ultimately, when they didn't get their way, the owners um, decided that they would uh, agree to let Mark Davis move to Las Vegas. And when you have to put it in the context of um, what they, they've created something in the last uh, decade or so, which is really quite extraordinary. This is their so-called relocation fees, in which right. they charge a uh, an owner, in this case Mark Davis, but they they also charged the owners of the Rams and the Chargers, uh, when they moved to L.A. Uh, a couple of years back, relocation fees. Uh, and basically what they're saying is, well, we'll let you move, and this is what the conspiracy is all about, we'll let you move uh, if you agree to pay us a relocation fee. The Raiders' relocation fee, I think, was $378 million. And then the owners split the money. And, of right. course, Mark Davis and the Raiders aren't going to pay that people who are going to pay that are the fans who are going to buy season tickets in Las Vegas and, and, and buy um, the uh, boxes and so forth, uh, special seating and, and the like. Mm-hmm. They just up the prices, which is what's happened in every time somebody moves. So what is the basis of the suit? Basically, it's two. It's, uh, there, there are two main claims. Uh, one is... Uh, uh, just a simple breach of contract that, in fact, um, under the 
NFL's own relocation policies, uh, the policies require that the host city is given a first take, a first look uh, with regard to any possible relocation. And you look at different criteria like the size of the market, whether or not the team is well-supported, which in Oakland clearly <laughs> you know what those fans are like, mm -hmm. um, uh, whether the team is making money, which it is, uh, the, the size of the you know, Bay Area market is uh, much larger than the Las Vegas market. Las Vegas is one of the smallest markets in the United States. Um, and in each instance, and there are a couple more, but those are the main ones. In each instance, um, the uh, relocal relocation policies were not followed. In fact, they were violated. And uh, there's a similar lawsuit you may be aware of, Andrew, in St. Louis, where the court has already said that the host city, in that case St. Louis, in our case it's, o it's Oakland, um, uh, has a right to rely on those policies. And so that, that we think that's uh, as clear-cut a case as you can uh, possibly have. In addition to that, we've also brought an uh, uh, antitrust lawsuit or an antitrust claim, and the focus of that is really a boycott, that the owners in the NFL have gotten together and, um, and have agreed that unless and until Oakland ponies up $750 million to a billion dollars to build a new stadium, they will not allow a team to go to Oakland. And hmm. uh, we think that violates antitrust laws. Well, take, I'll take us back. I had the relocation meetings in, I think it was January 2016. L.A. was awarded to the Rams, and the Raiders and Chargers were kind of told to go back to their markets. They'd get $100 million to complete a stadium deal. Right. And then, a year later, the Chargers decide they're going to move up and be a tenant of the Rams in L.A. And then after that, of course... Mark Davis got what I call the best deal in sports with a free stadium, basically, in Vegas. Yep. Now, in doing so, was he turning down an offer from Oakland? Was it contentious from the beginning where there were no negotiations? What went on between the there, time there, there, there he didn't get There were negotiations going on. Um, and we thought that Davis, because he kept claiming that he wanted to keep the team in Oakland, we thought that... He was acting in good faith. We later learned, of course, that he was acting in complete bad faith because his foot was already out the door. Mm -hmm. But in, uh, the, uh, it turned out that Oakland was able to come up with a plan to uh, keep the team in Oakland. They had uh, a group that was headed by Ronnie Lott and uh, a um, major investment fortress um, mm -hmm. were willing to fund a new stadium. Uh, they wanted uh, development rights on, you know, related property, but that, that was up to Oakland and, uh, to decide whether to do that, and they were prepared to do it. But uh, when that was proposed, uh, the by that time, Davis and those other owners had already agreed they're going to let him move, and they just literally slammed the door in Oakland's uh, face. They, they didn't even bother to take any time to look at the proposal. So what happens now with – okay, they have one game left this year. Yep. Are you trying to 
I don't know how to ask this. Are you trying to unravel the no. Vegas deal? No, no. no. Okay. You know, uh, Oakland uh, is, is is gone. They're now threatening right. to not play next year. Nobody, for, they, no, nobody in Oakland really cares. Uh, I don't know where it'll go, but wherever that may be, that, it's for Davis to decide. No, we're just. This is a damages suit. Um, the city and uh, had uh, invested huge amounts of money mm-hmm. over the years in Oakland on this, um, based on the promises that they would stay there. Um, they, now you're going to have, particularly one, once the uh, Oakland A's move out of the Coliseum in a couple of years because they're building a new stadium in another part of Oakland, you're going to have a, a, a stadium there that's basically worthless. Uh, and uh, and uh, in addition, obviously, they're going to lose a lot of revenue, uh, taxes, other revenue uh, that uh, will affect the, the city. Uh, we estimate that, you know, we're talking about big bucks here. What's the ballpark? What are you looking for out of this suit and damages? You know, it, it's it, we'll have an, uh, uh, economists and experts who will actually come mm-hmm. up with actual figures, but certainly in the, in, the, in the hundreds of millions of dollars. And when we talk about the Raiders, you just briefly mentioned next year, I know that I saw Mark Bedane, their president, come out in the news saying, well, we offered Oakland $7.5 million for next year, but that's now off the table. Is that your understanding uh, accurate? Um, you know, I, I, uh, the only thing I know about that is what I've read in the newspaper, so I have no idea whether it's accurate or not. They, anything that, based on, on the past couple of years, anything that they've said is uh, usually inaccurate, but who knows? Yeah. And just so our listeners know, why is this filed beyond Mark Davis and the Raiders to all NFL teams? You mentioned oh, the conspiracy aspect. In, under the, you know, the, 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 um, the antitrust claim is, is a conspiracy claim. And in order to uh, assert a conspiracy claim, you have to uh, sue all the co-conspirators. And in this case, uh, since the uh, league... Uh, all the members of the league voted, I think it was 30 to 1, with one of, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Steve Ross of Miami voting against it for the very reason that, that they violated their own relocation policies. Um, we needed to name everybody. And there, remember, all those other teams are the ones who are going to benefit from the relocation fees. Right. And you mentioned the St. Louis suit had been filed in the past. Where does that stand right now? Do you know? Yeah, my understanding is uh, the league and the the Rams had tried to get it dismissed on several different occasions. They've lost each time, and I believe the case is is in discovery now and uh, is slated to go to trial. I it, my guess is it'll go to trial sometime in in 2019. And so, how far behind that suit are you now? You know, we're we're probably a year or so behind, um, mm-hmm. but it's just the way things work out. And I guess, yeah, I do have to ask, sir, why did why now, why not earlier that this suit came alive? Well, you know, uh, the, like everything, you, you, we wanted to really make sure we could button this thing down, and, and we're confident that 
we knew what the facts were, what the uh, the uh, that the legal claims were solidly based, and uh, we were dealing with um, politicians, so it takes a while. Mm-hmm. And so your client, if you will, in this is uh, the city of Oakland, Mayor Schaff, Mayor Libby Schaff. Well, it's the it's the city and the city council, but sure, certainly, you know, the mayor is. Uh, um, definitely an important uh, part of this and fully backs yeah. Because I remember she was having negotiations, if you will, with the Raiders. Yeah, never seemed to go anywhere. The negotiators and, and feel strongly that she was misled by uh, the Raiders. Yeah. And just to clarify, Jim, before I let you go, the relocation sure. guidelines that were violated both in St. Louis and your situation in Oakland and I'm paraphrasing and being way too simplistic, but something to the effect of we're a big market. We put together a proposal that's worthy. We presented all the things they asked for, and they still left. Is that a fair characterization? Yes. Okay. That is a Anything fair you want to add to that? Well, and and that in, in, in connection with that, when you uh, uh, the, the essentially – these policies got put in place back as a result of prior litigation involving the Oakland back in the 70s when the, the appellate court said you don't have any rules, you need to have rules, and the rules need to protect the whole city. So they put these things in place and now have uh, repeatedly violated them. Your reaction to them going to Vegas? I, like others, roll my eyes, but um, and it's not just because they've done a hundred a one eighty on gambling that's uh, you know that ship sailed a couple of years ago but right. uh, the the it's hard to see how they will develop a loyal band uh, fan base when you have essentially transients who live there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. But I understand gambling. they've already uh, announced yesterday that they're going to have the draft there in 2020. God bless. Correct. Correct. Enjoy. And they'll have every team jersey represented because what you just said, they're a very transient population. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. I mean, my uh, we'll see how it works out. I remember covering those meetings for ESPN, and I was asking the owners, like, what's your concerns on Vegas? And Well, small market, and is it going to be sustainable, and is it mostly a tourism market? And I said, well, wait a minute. We just went through three, four things. Well, what about gambling? And they're like, no, that's fine. No, no, that's not a problem. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, we, you, Andrew, you pretty much know what you're dealing with. Well, yeah, I mean, and again, they're hosting the draft there. This is a league that fought gambling in court for six years, as you know. Yeah, right. They, were the, they, they took the lead. <laughs> right. So where's the suit filed, and what's next with this it, lawsuit? Uh, the suit's been filed in the Northern District of um, California, which covers uh, both Oakland and San Francisco. We uh, do not have... Uh, a, a judge has yet to be assigned. That's just because of the, the way their system works out there. Uh, we'll, um, I'm, I'm sure that uh, there'll be some um, skirmishing, as there always is in these cases with motions and the like. 
and once the skirmishing is over, we'll uh, we'll get down to the business of discovery and uh, and then hopefully the trial. Got it. All right, Jim. You're on to the next. Quite a career yes, in sports law. Good talking to you, Andrew. <laughs> Always a pleasure. You and Jeff Kessler have been really, uh, really in- incredible advocates for uh, athletes, sports players on team sports, especially. Yeah, Jeff, and really appreciate Jeffrey, what you do. Jeffrey is terrific. He's got, as you probably know, he's got that ca- case out there. I think they're arguing in the NCAA case. Uh, Correct. Trial motions next week. So uh, I always, you know, I. I have his back on that one. He'll have his. He'll have my back on this one. <laughs> I'll be following it. I'll be in touch with you. Thanks for being on the Business Support Podcast, uh, Jim Quinn. Really appreciate it. Take care, Andrew. Really hope you enjoyed listening to Jim Quinn talk about the suit against the NFL by the city of Oakland. Great interview there. Now, word from Simply Safe. If you've been thinking about getting a Simply Safe home security system, but have been waiting for the holidays when all the tech deals come out, you made the right move because I can get you a great deal on Simply Safe. If you go to simplysafe.com slash brand, my name, you get their amazing holiday offer. It's a great protection for home and family. You don't sign a contract, no hidden fees. The reviews are in from CNET, PCMag. They all say Simply Safe is the best home security system there is. So if you're looking for a security system, you want a great deal, go to simplysafe.com slash brand and get the offer. Make sure to use that URL because it really helps out the show and helps you get a great deal. Simplysafe.com slash brand. Offer ends soon. Now it's time to hear from you. If you've got a question for the podcast, leave me a voicemail at 484-416-5654. 484-416-5654. Our question this week. I think you're, you're going to like this question. Yo, what's up, Andrew, dude? Uh, this is Pete Manzanelli, dude. And I guess my question is, why can't NFL players like smoke weed, dude, but like above board? You know, it's just like, let these guys get, like, hella lifted, dude, hella blitz, man. It helps them wind down after, like, playing a gladiator sport, dude. And it's, like, legal in every other state. So, uh, long-time listener, long-time caller, uh, first time saying bye. Uh, bye, dude. <laughs> okay. Listen, it's legal in some states. Obviously, it's legal in a lot of states right now, recreationally as well as medicinally. But that doesn't mean it's legal in the NFL. There are a lot of things where you can talk about Roger Goodell coming down hard on players. Why does he get a judge, jury, and executioner? This is not one of them. When we see players busted for uh, testing positive for marijuana, other drugs, that's all agreed to by the union and the players, uh, union and the league. So it's a negotiated part of a collective bargaining agreement. So it's something that's different than commissioner power or discipline in those cases. So... Your answer, Pete, is that they can't smoke weed because they're tested for it because their union put in guidelines that said you can't do that. It has nothing to do with state law. It has nothing to do with society and morales, but we may see a different look at it in the next CBA as gambling, as weed, as you call it, all changing. The mores uh, have all gone different now. So it's completely different into what's going on. So Pete, thanks for the call. They can't light up. They can't hella weed like you were just talking about it. But maybe in the new CBA, weed, marijuana, won't be part of any testing program. Seems to be the way the world is going, the way the the mores of society have changed regarding marijuana and, of course, regarding gambling. Now, a final word from betonline.ag, another huge week across all sports. You can get all the action at betonline.ag. Use promo code PODCAST1 for 50% sign-up bonus. That PODCAST1. We got it all this week. We had the Chargers and Chiefs. We got Dallas, 
Philly, we had the Rams in Chicago, and now going forward, you've got some of the best games of the year in the NBA. So go online, use your mobile phone, sign up today at betonline.ag. Try in-game live betting where you can participate with all the action with every play. Use promo code PODCAST1 for a 50% sign-up bonus today. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. That'll do it for the Business of Sports podcast. Really appreciate all those who follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt. Apple podcast rankings and comments are always appreciated. So please do. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Business of Sports podcast with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.